This is Veteran Friendly, a podcast about what it means to support veterans and military families. Your hosts come from the Office of Military Affairs at the University of North Carolina, Wilmington. Joanna DeMott, our military program liaison, is a military spouse and human resources professional. And Melanie Nelson, our military student services liaison, is a military veteran and a military family member, as well as a university instructor. You may contact us at veteranfriendlypodcast at gmail.com with insights about what it means to be veteran-friendly. Hi there, Joanna. How are you today? You know, for I'm pretty great, even though I woke up to a giant screw in my tire. I did, but I'm, I'm great. Took to the shop 15 bucks later. I, I really enjoy the, uh, the location of our car place and I didn't freak out about it. And normally with car stuff, I'm a little not so good. So I'm really happy to hear that. And I'm just not going to take the avenue of all the jokes that I could because, you know, it's Friday and we should just be, we should just be great. Like you said, in spite of anything else that happens, let's just decide to be great today. Um, I am really curious about how our guest is doing today, Joanna. So why don't you give us an introduction? Absolutely. We have Alex Verholst, the Talent Acquisition Military Program Manager at Lidos with us today. How are you today, Alex? I'm doing great. Thank you very much for having me on uh, today's episode. Melanie, I think you have a very important question. I do. Thank you. Thank you for always elevating it to the level of very important because I feel like it's foundational to the whole conversation that we're about to have with you, Alex. And obviously the question I'm going to ask is what are your favorite snacks right now? Favorite snacks. Wow. Um, so I guess I would say probably Cheez-Its and uh, let's go pretzels. Cheez-Its and pretzels. Excellent yeah. savory options. <clears throat> Was there another one that you wanted to share with us? Throw in tortilla chips too. Mm, yes. All right. Do you dip the tortilla chips in anything or are we just straight up salt? Um, no, uh, in salsa. So um, my wife makes great salsa. It's funny because this one has a real clear breakdown. Some people are super into the sweet snacks like me mm-hmm. and then others are super into the savory, but fresh salsa all the time and endless supply of fresh salsa is what it sounds like. That is really, I don't think we've had anybody who said they're making their own salsa so far on any of our shows. So that's a first. Thank you for adding that to the list. I might have to consider, you know, changing, shifting to savory every now and then just to shake it up. So thank you so much for giving us that insight into your personality. And we are going to go back to Joanna with, uh, you know, the other actual important questions for our show. I I feel like we could end the podcast right now just with that. I mean, for salsa, come on. But we did not ask Alex to come on the podcast today to talk about amazing salsa. What I would like to know, Alex, is can you give me a little insight into your background and what you do? Yeah, absolutely. Um, And again, thank you for having me um, on your program. Um, I do really appreciate it. So just a little bit about my background and, and my role. Um, so I work at a company called Lidos. Um, Lidos is a government contractor based in the Washington, D.C. metro area, um, actually Reston, Virginia. Anybody listening knows the area. Um, so we've been around for over half a century. Um, so the company is you know, well-established and, and has been around for 
52 years. Um, what I do here at Lidos and what I've done for the past several years is I run and manage our military program. Um, so it is called Operation MVP, uh, standing for Military Veteran Program. Um, and I work within talent acquisition. Um, so basically I'm the talent acquisition military program manager um, here at Lidos. Um, and I guess the real short version is what I try to do and kind of what our mission statement is uh, within our military program and, and kind of within talent acquisition and, and recruiting in general is really about relationship building. Um, and it works on like, you know, both the high level and, and you know, also, you know, the individual uh, person level as well. So whether it's building relationships with organizations that promote and support the hiring of veterans and of military spouses and transitioning service members, um, but also, you know, working directly with maybe different transition offices at different military installations. Um, and then furthermore, you know, working with, you know, specific interested um, veterans, military spouses who have, um, you know, who are interested in opportunities here at Lidos and, and have backgrounds that can fit some of the work that we perform. Um, but yeah, that's kind of how I like to describe it is, you know, it's about building those kind of um, those different relationships kind of across the industry and across the different organizations that are, um, you know, supportive of the employment of veterans and military spouses and, you know, talking to, um, you know, individuals um, like the two of you and, and, you know, anybody that kind of has a passion for just supporting the veteran community in general, um, because it all kind of taught, you know, it, it certainly at, <clears throat> in my role in here at Lidos, you know, we, we can't hire every single veteran and spouse that's interested in, in jobs here, but what I can try to do is provide some uh, you know, some best practices or some advice or just some general insight into the hiring process that, you know, maybe can help those individuals who we aren't necessarily able to hire, but can still help uh, help our veterans and help our military spouses uh, in their career search. Um, so yes, that's kind of a long-winded version, but like I said, it's all about kind of relationship building um, and, and growing our presence here at Lidos uh, within the military community. Uh, and continuing to kind of build on upon the reputation that we already have um, and continue to kind of um, build upon that and, and keep that strong uh, as far as being a, uh, you know, employer of choice, employer of choice for veterans and spouses. That's fantastic. Uh, I am an SAIC alum and okay, was great. with SAIC before the split with Lidos. And I was thinking back to all of the people that I worked with and I think 50% or maybe even more were veterans. So very interesting. I mean, not to be surprising in the area uh, that uh, Reston in, you know, McLean and the DC area that you would recruit a lot of veterans to help with those DOD contracts but I did see a lot of support and a lot of just camaraderie and peer mentorship that happened organically. So it's nice to see that there is a, you know, a program, this Operation MVP, that's kind of taking that scaffolding and, and really making it more formal. Yeah, that's really interesting. Small world. So did, um, were you, did you go with, the, with SAIC when we spun that work off or what ended up happening? 
I left the, I left the company right before okay. that happened. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. So yeah, that's like just, I guess, a real short history lesson. I don't want to, you know, focus too much just on the company because I want to, you know, talk about what you guys want to talk about. Lidos, uh, our organization was known as SAIC from 1969 until 2013. And then we rebranded and renamed ourselves, um, which is pretty common and has been become very common in the last few years within government contracting. Um, but the kind of different angle is that <clears throat> we spun off or divested a portion of our business. So basically a brand new company was formed, but that company, the new company that was formed in October of 2013, took the SAIC name. And then we used the opportunity to rebrand ourselves as Lidos uh, coming from the word Kaleidoscope. Um, So, you know, Lidos, the name Lidos has only existed since October, 2013. Um, But the company, as I said, as a whole, because we are the legacy SAIC has, has been around since February 1969. So yeah, it's just, it's a little unique because we weren't known as Lidos prior to that. Um, and there still is an SAIC today, you know, two completely separate companies, but yes. So we're the legacy organization just kind of renamed and, and rebranded ourselves. And we've been fortunate that since that time in the last, I guess, eight years or so that we've been able to like continue to grow and expand pretty significantly and acquire new business and, and acquire divisions and, and other companies and things like that. Um, so especially now we're moving into 2022 almost. The government <laughs> contracting industry and landscape has certainly changed and it's definitely moved towards consolidating quite a bit. So I feel really fortunate you know, to be here and to be with a company that's been able to continue to grow, especially with all of the consolidation within the industry right now. Absolutely. When you talk to transitioning service members, what do you yes. tell them about uh, and military spouses, what do you tell them? Why do why should they come work with with Lidos? That's an excellent question. I mean, really, I think that you know the biggest, I guess, sell of our company is our history. You know, years of dedicated commitment to U.S. government and, and work um, providing services and research and programs, um, developing programs for the government, but also just, you know, the ability to kind of grow your career here at Lidos. It's one of the advantages of being a big company is that there is a lot of room to, to grow and to expand your career in different skill areas and supporting different customers and things like that. The, you know, the benefits or maybe even the compensation of a company of, you know, a few hundred, you know, a few hundred people, we have close to 45,000 total employees. Uh, worldwide. So, you know, it's I what I always try to, you know, I can certainly sell the kind of the long term and the big picture of working here. Um, you know, or somebody that's maybe transitioning out of the military, you know, what their kind of what their primary objective is, you know, kind of in the short term too, because, you know, sometimes it, it may be a situation where they're, <clears throat> where they're better served to, to seek out, you know, something different. But the good thing about the, the fact that we're a strong, stable company is that we're going to be here. So um, I've seen it quite a bit that um, individuals reach out to me and say, hey, you know, you talked to me when I was transitioning, I ended up going somewhere else. But, you know, I was always interested. And, um, you know, I'd like to, you know, circle back and and see, uh, you know, what opportunities might be available for me now and things like that. But I really just think it's kind of like the the long term approach, um, and the ability to kind of advance your career here, 
and you know the fact that we have such a diverse number of customers and programs and things like that so that you don't necessarily have to be you know so if, if you're working on one particular project or something like that you know there's the ability to move and grow and, and if something happens with that particular programmer, there's the ability to, to still stay on with the organization afterwards. Sure. And those stock options aren't bad either. But Melanie, I know you have some, some driving questions here. She always, she always comes up with good ones, but thanks for, thanks for that explanation. Yes, that was a, a really deep dive, frankly, into government contracting. And, you know, Joanna and I, at this point, we are, we are very secure state employees, right? And so our perspective on what contracting really can mean is just a little bit different from somebody on the inside. So thank you for sharing that with us. Um, I especially like how you were able to connect kind of that idea of a kaleidoscope in your name to all the diverse clients and uh, projects that you have going on. Because I tend to think of government contracting as being like, we pursue doggedly this one tunnel of project, whatever it is. Um, And it's nice to hear that there are lots of ways to flex within that. I think our students will be interested in hearing that because we do get some who are interested in the world of government contracting. But I want to cycle back to a couple of things you've mentioned. Um, I heard you drop the word passion and the word and the, the phrase uh, passion for serving veterans, right? And I'm just gonna I'm just gonna noodle around on that one for a minute because it's almost expected, demanded of someone in a role that is specifically geared towards serving military and veteran people and service members and their family members that they automatically have that passion, right? It's like, it's built into the role. We want someone high energy and passionate about serving this community. And the thing is like, depending on who you are, you could be passionate about any community, any special population that you're working with. But it's something that we hear sometimes. And it's, it's one of those catchphrases that just makes us say, hang on a second, let's double check and make sure you really mean what you say when you say you have a passion for this. Because a lot of times, especially if you're coming from a military background, whether you grew up in a military family or you served yourself or you're married to someone who served, you're kind of like, if you, if you can't claim to have a passion for serving this population, then what are you doing here, right? Like nobody, nobody wants to work with you if you can't say that you really truly deeply care about this population and serving them from within your role. So tell me a little bit more about what it means for you when you say that you are passionate and you've been in this role for quite a while in this military and veteran recruitment and working with military transitioning and spouses. What does it really mean to be passionate about them? And you've talked about the ways that you do it, but like, Internally, what does that mean for you? Yeah, no, that's a great question. I mean, I think that there's maybe a couple parts to it. The first is just having probably like us in in general, regardless of the type of role that you have, right? Having a strong work ethic is going to be pretty important, you know, especially in the, especially in kind of like the way business is now and, and, you know, kind of post pandemic or ongoing pandemic and, uh, and just sort of the way that it was already transitioning prior to that is, you know, everybody's accessible kind of all the time. Um, You know, so you need to be able and, and like, you know, work schedules and things like that have become a lot more flexible, you know, but at the same time, you know, there's, Also, you need to be able to, you know, stay on top of things. So, you know, outside of just, you know, this particular, you know, role and, and, um, and having like a dedication to the veteran community, I think just in general to, you know, for 
you know, I know that some of your listeners are students, you said, and, and maybe those of a younger demographic. As we enter kind of like the next phase of the workforce, it's going to be really interesting because we've already kind of seen it. Like there's a lot less in-person communication than ever before. Certainly, I mean, I've been in the industry for about 15 years. So, you know, it's it's less and less, right? But there's it feels like there's more constant communication, but, you know, it, sometimes it, like less can be more, right? So sometimes it's important to be able to, um, like I said, have a strong work ethic and like be able to take individual accountability and, and kind of balance your own schedule and make sure you're prioritizing what you need to prioritize and, and you're able to get back to people and things like that. But certainly, like I said, as we've kind of moved forward, like there, there's a lot more that is being put on the individual. And I think that part of what really has driven my passion with the veteran community and, and spouses and, and like I said, those transitioning are um, because of, you know, the strong work ethic that I try to bring to my role and just my belief in taking individual responsibility and accountability and, and kind of the way that I see the corporate or business world kind of going. You know, I feel like certainly, you know, those populations bring that, you know, from their uh, their prior service or, or from their, you know, from their veteran or military spouse background. So that's kind of where I always, you know, that kind of leads me to, to kind of gravitate to, towards that population. And then I think just like, as far as being passionate about anything, I don't want to say it's necessarily easier, but when you deal with people, you know, it can, the, the, it can be a little bit more, I guess, like rewarding, right? Because I'm dealing with individuals who have like a goal and I can help them with that goal, you know? And if I was just balancing like numbers on a spreadsheet or something like that, um, it might not be as, as, you know, instantaneously or as rewarding over the long term and stuff like that. So getting to deal with people, um, I think really helps. And I think what you'll find is that in kind of that town acquisition umbrella, which is, you know, primarily recruiting, you know, bringing people in for um, specific roles within an organization, those that are successful in that are going to be passionate. Um, they're going to be passionate about helping people. Um, and it doesn't necessarily mean that they're, you know, extroverts by nature or anything like that, but it just means that they, you know, take pride in, you know, in being able to kind of, you know, help others. Um, and certainly, you know, I take pride in, in being able to help those within the veteran and spouse community achieve again, like their short-term goals or their long-term goals, or just provide some, some, uh, some assistance kind of along the way, but that's kind of how I view it, you know, but, you know, I think it's a combination, like I said, of, of, of caring, right. About the, those that you're working with or, or working for or helping. And then also, you know, just having, you know, work ethic in general. Thank you so much for all those insights. Number one, it's always good to get someone's definition of their area of expertise. And so to hear a little bit more about what talent acquisition really means and what it can mean, right? And what's becoming kind of a theme as we interview people for this season is this idea of advocacy and this idea that you might not be the right fit for them, right? Like Lighthouse might not be the right long-term solution. It might be the right short-term solution, or it might not be right for either of those and uh, figuring out, helping people figure out exactly what works for them. Um, I do remember one of the first jobs I interviewed for after I left military service, uh, 
I ended up declining the offer for a number of reasons. And their HR specialist took the time to talk to me about it and recommended a different pathway through that organization and said, keep an eye out for jobs like this. And one of the people I'd interviewed with had actually forwarded my resume on to somebody else that they thought I would be a better fit for. And I just remember thinking like, I had a great impression of that company just because of that, because they had that HR resource available. And so it's always good to get insight on what, what does it actually mean to be a, a recruiter or a talent acquisition specialist? So thank you for sharing all that. And thank you too for just affirming what we always tell people about the military population. Number one, we give a darn, right? Number one. And number two, we are willing to do the work, right? That's what we were trained to do. Um, and of course, the population varies and whatever, and you might have other life circumstances going on. That means that this is your short-term solution. You may or may not be showing up with quite as much passion, but it's nice to be able to, that, that, thanks for letting me poke you back on that one a little bit and say, are you sure you're really passionate? Because it, it helps to define it sometimes and to really get a crystal clear idea of like, this is what it could mean. This is what it could look like for me to work outside of the military. And this is where I can find that purpose, especially because correct me if I'm wrong, you, you don't particularly have a military connection yourself coming into this role. So I don't have a military background. No, I was fortunate to work for a veteran owned company for almost six years. And that kind of led me to SAIC at the time after, after that, but working in that environment, which was especially the department that I ran, it was very structured, very much structured as a, a military type environment. So we, you know, my, basically my first boss was, uh, he was a retired command sergeant major uh, from the army. Um, so you can probably guess how it was kind of run. Um, uh, but I, you know, I talk about work ethic and I was fortunate again to work under somebody who had incredible work ethic uh, and kind of imparted that to me when I was the most like impressionable, I guess, you know, kind of early in my, in my corporate career. And then had the opportunity to come to, again, SAIC at the time, uh, and, and also work for somebody who had, you know, incredible work ethic and incredible passion and kind of helped me with that kind of transition here to, to SAIC slash Lidos. So, you know, I was really fortunate that early in my career, right. I kind of uh, I guess, cut my teeth in kind of a sink or swim type of environment. You know, I just kind of working within that environment, working <clears throat> primarily with a was kind of a collection of people new to their careers and a collection of prior service members in, in my first role. So like I said, it, it just kind of gave me an opportunity to, to kind of learn that culture and that community, thrive in it. So, you know, at, at that point when I came to, it's not the role I'm in now, but when I came to SAIC, I, I started working in a talent acquisition Part of what drew me to the role was the ability to do military outreach to, to a smaller degree or smaller scale. And then just over time, organically, there was an opportunity to take over the military program as a whole. So I, I kind of jumped on that and then tried to, you know, do what I can to, again, kind of grow our program here at Lighthouse and, and grow our reputation. But yeah, that's, so that's kind of kind of where I came, I guess, into sort of like the veteran community um, and was, you know, and was able to just, like I said, just kind of gravitated towards it uh, and continued, continued kind of along that path. Very cool. It's funny because we interview all different kinds of people here. And so some of them have a connection personally to the military and some of them don't, but they find that connection somewhere. It's not like anybody looks around and they're like, you know, I really am looking for a special population to serve and I'll choose the military population. Um, there are a lot of people who are kind of turned off by that initially, but 
the fact that you said that someone from the military was able to teach you a work ethic as you came up in the professional community, Joanna and I have a debate going on on the side about whether you can teach work ethic or not. Sometimes we like to get into philosophical arguments about things, and this is a point in my favor. So thank you, Alex. Um, I'm going to hand you back over to Joanna now, and she's going to take you home with our final question. Thanks, Melanie. And yes, one point for you, but there are more coming. Alex. Our final question today is what does the term veteran friendly mean to you? So you hear that term quite a bit. Certainly it's something that, you know, you hear veteran friendly, military friendly. I run military program here at Lidos and we're, you know, we have, um, I guess, you know, recognition from different organizations, recognition from the department of labor, right. As, as being a, a top, friendly or veteran friendly company, I don't think you necessarily need to have a uh, official, even, you know, military type program or anything like that really to be, to be a veteran friendly organization. I think all you really need is to have, basically we talked about passion, right? You need to have individuals who are passionate about um, the veteran community and about helping. The other really important thing that you need to have is you need to have buy-in from your leadership. So again, you know, these are things that are kind of precursors to having an official military type hiring or outreach program. But again, you know, that's not really the the end-all be-all in in being kind of veteran friendly, but you just need to have the leadership of your organization, right? You know, whether it's a huge company or small company from your, you know, your corporate executives all the way, um, you know, through kind of the, the leadership change uh, chain, excuse me, you just need to make sure that there is, that there is uh, buy-in from the top and that there's support from the top uh, of what you're doing. And to me, if you have those things, right, then regardless of what recognition you get and, and what, you know, the size of your organization you know, I feel that you can promote yourself as a veteran friendly or military friendly type organization. Then to me, that is, that is veteran friendly. Fantastic. So we've got passion and buy-in. Thank you so much for being on today with us, Alex. It's been a pleasure. Yeah. Thank you so much for for having me today. It's been great um, talking with both of you. This has been an episode of Veteran Friendly. Thank you for listening. Veteran Friendly's music comes from the band Blue Turnip and their song, What Do You Want From Me? You can find their EP, Songs from the Root Cellar, on Bandcamp, iTunes, Amazon, and Spotify. For more information, visit blueturnipmusic.com.